Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. There are plenty of things to see and do along the coast of Lake Michigan. But sometimes, it's all about what you can't see. As you go out there, even in the late 19th century, people are observing that there was once this settlement here. There's no trace of it at all. Saugatuck is a quintessential American beach town, but buried next to it is one of Michigan's biggest what-ifs. This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. Saugatuck on the west side of Michigan is one of America's great beach towns, and its sister city, Douglas, is awesome too. But if you go back far enough, this area used to be a trio of settlements, and if you pay attention like a little scavenger hunt, you can find that third name lingering around town. Yeah, Singapore is hiding in plain sight in Saugatuck. Like, there's the Singapore Yacht Club. The Singapore Bank Building is now home to a bookstore. There's... This little green Michigan historic marker out in front of City Hall that tells the story of how Singapore was at the time thought of as a rival to Chicago, Milwaukee, these great port cities. And there are several houses that if you drove by it, you would have no clue. But these houses were literally either put on rafts or drugged down these streets or literally pushed across the ice of the Kalamazoo River in the wintertime. You and I went to Saugatuck, and we spoke to Dr. Eric Golanek, and he's the director of the Saugatuck Douglas Historical Society, and he's better at explaining Singapore. There were, in fact, multiple settlements and a long history of people in this area, going back to First Nations and Anishinaabe people. The story of sort of European-American settlement here begins in around 1830, when William Butler arrives with his family, coming from New England via the Erie Canal and through the Great Lakes uh, to come up the Kalamazoo River and establish what becomes the city of Saugatuck today. A few years later, the settlement of Singapore is established around 1836 and 1837. It's estimated there were about 20 buildings in the settlement of Singapore itself. Not a huge place, probably a few hundred people that would have lived and worked there. So oftentimes when you see great economic prosperity, it leads to good things for the town in which that happens, right? But the misfortune of several Midwestern cities in the mid-1800s is a great thing for Singapore. And then ultimately, oddly, it becomes the worst thing for Singapore. 
the fires in October of 1871 that are probably most famous for the burning of the city of Chicago, but they do affect huge swaths of Wisconsin. The city of Holland has a great fire. For Singapore, this is a, an incredibly prosperous time because there's all of these fires. It's America's wooden age. Everything is built out of wood. And so they're positioned to saw and sell a lot of timber products. And it's likely that the incredible demand for timber after the Great Fires exhausts the standing timber and materials along the Kalamazoo River Valley. So by 1875, they've effectively cut off the timber that's profitable After these fires in Chicago and Milwaukee and Holland, I don't want to say this little lumber town along Lake Michigan was tasked with rebuilding it, per se, but that's essentially what they did. And it's just fascinating that within four years of this fire, business had dried up by 1875. They literally took the mill, dismantled it, and brought it up to St. Ignace, So we remember the story of Mount Vesuvius in the town of Pompeii, right? Between 1875 and the early 1920s, our fascination as Michiganders starts with Singapore. And I mentioned Mount Vesuvius and Pompeii. Singapore is not buried under lava like Vesuvius did to Pompeii, but it's under that thing that we see up and down the 300 miles of Michigan's coastline on the west side, the dunes. The dunes are kind of a fascinating landscape. The sands are always shifting, particularly in the 19th century and early 20th century, before there was more vegetation planted. Dunes constantly shifting through wind action, erosion. The settlement of Singapore is buried by these drifting sands and becomes this kind of site of fascination because as you go out there, even in the late 19th century, people are observing that there was once this settlement here. There's no trace of it at all. The sands have come in and buried these over. That said, the sands are constantly moving. So there are moments as water levels advance and recede, as the winds continue to move sand around, occasionally build parts of buildings, artifacts have been revealed again. But by the late 19th century, The site is pretty well buried, and what buildings weren't moved, those buildings are likely still in the sand there. You can't stand on top of Singapore anymore. There was a time you could, but it's been a very long time. It's in private ownership now, so we got as close as we could in this little artist commune called Oxbow. It is so nice out here. I can't get over it. What do you think? Yeah, let's go that way. Hi. Good, how are you? So this is crazy how this is just tucked back in here, and the water's just right there. I wonder if they're having some kind of, probably a wedding, but who knows? Yeah. Oxbow is, it's a little, like you said, artist community out here where it's known to us locals as the Old Harbor. In the early 1900s, they essentially rerouted the Kalamazoo River. And when that happened, it essentially like silted off this area known as the Old Harbor. But now there's a thriving artist community. We went out there and it's just fascinating. It seems so secluded. 
So here's the thing, Kyle. I brought you on because you're the Saga Tuck expert. But you know what? For this story, we needed the big guns, and we got them. We spent some time in your mom's patio with Patty Beery. She grew up in Saga Tuck, too. And, Kyle, she said something to me that, I'll be honest with you, makes a lot of sense once I heard it, but I never would have considered it. I never really heard much about it until I was in school, like kindergarten and first grade, and people would ask about it and talk about it. And it was pretty scary as a kid to think that there was a city buried under the sand dunes because here we are living among the sand dunes and, you know, mom wants to trek us out to the beach. And it's like, no, no, you know, there might be bodies under there. Yeah. Being a child and not having experience behind you, the pictures you make in your head are pretty scary. But as we got older, we learned a little bit about it in elementary school. We learned a lot about the the history of Sagatuck. As a kid, I pictured there's this city that looked like Chicago and Milwaukee, not necessarily the skyscrapers as we would think of them today, but these big, gorgeous, late 19th century buildings are just buried out there. But then in third grade, we get to do the big Saugatuck unit. You learn this history, and it's like, okay, it's not necessarily this big city that's buried, but what is out there is still super cool and super historic. Yeah, I mean, and people are fascinated by this, Kyle. It's not just you, and it's not just your mom. What Dr. Golinick told us was that in the early 1900s, people start writing about this. People start going out there, and these sands are shifting, and at times you can see parts of it. And so people have long been fascinated with this area, and I think the most fascinating thought is the shop vac. Like, if you could walk up there with, like, a God-sized shop vac and just hit the on button and you sucked all the sand out, what would it look like? We don't have a clear picture of the extent of the settlement. When the modern channel was opened, there was no archaeology done in 1906, as there would be today. They just blew that channel through there, and it's likely that the sands that were dredged out to open that channel may have ended up on top of parts of the Singapore site. So I don't have a good answer for you. The site is privately owned today and is under development. There was some archaeology done in relation to the marina project that was proposed as a part of that development. The archaeology that was done for that did recover ceramic and pottery. It's likely that the marina site itself, where the archaeology was focused, was not on top of this site. Kyle, we've talked about what Singapore was at its height. We've talked about what Singapore became. You would think that 150 years would be enough to sort out the land. You would be wrong because they're still fighting over it today. Yes. And this has been going on for a very long time. There's been various development plans going back to the 1960s and 1970s. At one point to build a a high-rise hotel and I think even some kind of casino or event center. And now sort of home sites. There are modern homes that have been built out there on several of the sites. The project has been much delayed in part because of the plans to build a large marina and dredge a significant area of the dunes along the north shore of the river to create a marina as part of this residential development. Anytime you start talking about dredging, review needs to happen by the Army Corps of Engineers, by the state of Michigan. 
that has taken a lot of time. There's also a very active effort within the Saugatuck community by the Dunes Coastal Alliance group to try to preserve the natural course of the river and to try to stop this proposed development. When I was in high school, there was talk of this marina and a golf course and restaurants. And to an extent, at the time, as a kid, I was like, oh, that'd be really cool to bring even more business to town. But then when you stop and think about it, it's, number one, it's going to destroy these beautiful dunes, or at least portion of it. Number two, we would lose also a very cool piece of our history, which in itself should be enough to say, no, we shouldn't be doing this. Kyle, I'm no expert on Saugatuck. That's why you're on this story. That's why we visited with your mom. But we spent time in Saugatuck, Kyle. We walked all over the place. We went into businesses. We talked to people. And look, it was the first week in July. It was the week of the 4th of July. It was mobbed. And so thinking about a high-rise hotel, where do they all go? They're not all going to stay there. They want to go to Saugatuck. I don't think there's room for that. And you're talking to your mom. She confirmed, yes, there is no room for that. And also, people like her, they don't want it. It has been a nasty conversation for a long time. And there was one family that owned quite a bit of that property. When the father and mother passed away, they started, the son started selling off. Those people that purchased the property that wanted to make condos and homes and have a marina we'll have some retail and some shopping and stuff like that and it got shot down right away they've been fighting it for years and i think they will do you think you or kyle will ever see that marina i won't you might but it's going to be a good fight you can see where they've started plotting it all out and stuff and it just it doesn't look right And I would hate to see, I mean, and there's a good stretch, you know, it could be a Panama City Beach, it could be a Atlantic City, something like that. But I don't think I'll ever see it in my lifetime. I hope I don't. Saugatuck is such an attraction because of the way it is, because it's a small town, because there's all these family-run businesses and restaurants and little shops, and it would lose its charm. If you're walking down Butler Street and off in the distance you see a 35-story building, like, that's not Saugatuck. That's not why it's been voted time and again one of America's best beach towns. No, we don't want that. Just remember, the next time you're by Saugatuck, you're on Lake Michigan, or maybe you're tooling up the Kalamazoo River, just remember when you look at that big pile of nothing, remember what it was. Fascinating. Today's big thanks goes out to the Beeries, my coworker Kyle and his mom Patty. Plus, thanks to Dr. Eric Golanik for the history lesson. Check out wwjnewsradio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24/7. Do you want the Daily J delivered right to you? All you have to do is text WWJ to 20357 and you'll get it instantly. Message and data rates may apply. I'm Zach Clark. And this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.